We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in, whether you're checking this out on YouTube, whether you're listening to this, wherever podcasts are heard. I appreciate you very much. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Today is Wednesday. Well, at least when this drops, this episode, it will be Wednesday which means I'm doing, and I'm going solo today again, I'm doing a Bills um, All-22 film review and PFF grades analysis for week three, a big Buffalo Bills victory over Washington. I did this last week. I'll probably do this throughout the season, maybe two to three days after a Bills game. Um, Not going to be a long episode. And I say that, and I sound like a goddamn broken record, and I know this. I say it so much. Every time I go solo, I say Gonna get you out of here quick. This isn't gonna be a long episode, and it ends up being literally a full-length episode. I'm gonna work real hard to not babble on about too many topics today and make this a more uh easily consumable, um, shorter episode. But anyway, like I said, I, I've watched the all 22 film, and just like I said last week, it's worth repeating again today. When I watch the film, I'm not Eric Turner from cover one. I'm not Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills and some of these other film experts that are so great analytically at breaking things down, X's and O's. That's not really what I do. That's not my area of expertise. But I do watch the film and I do learn. I learn a lot. And what I think I'm at least relatively decent at is watching something and being able to uh, convey it to an audience. So that's what I'll do today. In addition, uh, PFF came out with their weekly and for the season uh, premium stats, their their grades, and I will uh, go through some of those and uh, break those down to you. Like I said last week too, when it comes to PFF, some of these grades, you look at them and you get it right away. And then sometimes you look at them and you're like, well, how the hell did this happen? How did this guy have such a low grade? Seems like he played really well. 
or vice versa. This guy was graded really high. I didn't think he played that well. So anyway, I'll have thoughts on that today. And uh, that's how we're going to do it. And then I'll get you out of here. Um, I have clips, but I'm not going to post them on this episode. And the reason being is this. I'm slowly building up a video audience. And I love when people watch us on YouTube. So don't get me wrong. But primarily, most of the audience for Talking Buffalo still remains on the audio side. So I'm not going to sit there and put up clips and, and break them down and digest them. When you're listening to this, it just doesn't make any sense for me. Uh, the ratio of people who listen to the people who watch is still pretty significant. But I do have some clips that I screenshotted and, and broke down a little bit. And I put those on my Twitter. So if you want to go to my Twitter, at Patrick Moran TV, I do have some clips up from this game and some thoughts on those. So go check those out and I'll describe them a few, at least to some extent uh, during this episode. But anyway, like last week, I got three big takeaways from the game and then we'll kind of go through uh, the positions, run through some grades, some stats, some thoughts. And uh, that's how we'll do it today. Three biggest takeaways from this game in Washington for me. Number one, and we'll go through some of these points individually when I get to these positional groups. We'll, we'll I'll elaborate a little bit more, but number one, Terrell Bernard. I mean, this guy is just making impactful, meaningful plays. And talked about it a little bit on the show earlier this week, tweeted about it a lot. This is not a diss. This is not a, a kick in the ass towards Tremaine Edmonds on his way out of the door. He, Tremaine Edmonds was a good football player, and he did a lot. He did a lot of stuff that statistically didn't always show up in the box score. And I mean a lot. And if you follow people like Eric Turner or, or Joe Marino, you would see the film when Tremaine Edmonds was a Buffalo Bill and you would understand a lot more. Things he did, things he took away because of his speed and his athleticism, especially against the pass. So again, um, this isn't really so much a diss towards Tremaine Edmonds as much as it is commenting that I really like what Terrell Bernard is doing right now in terms of making splash plays, impactful plays. Um, he makes those plays that Tremaine flat out has it. It's as simple as that. Tremaine Edmonds, was a Buffalo Bill for five full seasons. And during those five full seasons, Tremaine Emmons never once had more than two picks or two sacks in a single season. An entire season, never more than two each. Terrell Bernard has two sacks and two picks, two really nice interceptions, by the way. And he's done it in three games. Just three games. In fact, he was there nine quarters into the season. So Terrell Bernard is making an impact. It's, to me at least, shocking. I think to a lot of you watching or listening, it's shocking as well. Pleasantly shocking, of course, but shocking nonetheless. So that's a big takeaway from this game. He did it again on Sunday. He was huge. Um, speaking of huge, my next takeaway, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, those two is a tandem beast. Beast. The middle of the defense is so important. And we saw last year, specifically, like that Cincinnati game. Daquan Jones didn't play. Ed Oliver disappeared. And Cincinnati literally did whatever they wanted to do on offense against the Bills with very little resistance. This year, so far, three games. Granted, just three games, small sample size. But what a different story. This defense has been excellent. And I think it's anchored because of Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones. They were both excellent against Washington. 
people than the staff box. And especially when you watch the film, I put up a clip, like I said, on my Twitter, back-to-back plays with Daquan Jones. Just unbelievable. You, you got to watch it. In one play, he, he has a pressure on, and just a bulldozing pressure on Sam Howell. He hits him, even though Ham, Howell completes the pass. Very next play, pressures him, leads to uh, the Terrell Bernard interception. Anyway, those guys have been awesome. And, and then my third takeaway is I really kind of like the balance of Josh Allen's decision-making on Sunday. You know, we all know about the Jets' home opener. Josh Allen was reckless. And then the following week against the Raiders, he was the best version of Trent Edwards you've ever seen in your fucking life. And that's not really, it sounds like an insult, but it's not really because Josh Allen played awesome against the Raiders. In fact, he was literally the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. But he was checking down, taking what the defense gave him the whole game. And again, that's not me being critical of him, but that's also not quite the Josh Allen I want to see. The Josh Allen that I want to see, I saw in full effect on Sunday. Kind of swaggy Josh Allen. I know some people, you know, will, will say that he plays reckless and out of control at times. Those Some of those throws he made, more on that in just a second, on. Believable running the ball, his attitude. I just loved everything about Josh Allen's game on Sunday. So that's my third big takeaway. And like I said, I'm going to go through these positionally. I got down in, in my notes some thoughts, some numbers, some PFF numbers from the game. And we'll start right there with, with the quarterback, Josh Allen. 82.3 overall grade from PFF, 76.5 passing grade, 77.1 running grade, which was pretty much on par with what he did against Vegas the week before for me. And this is also obviously an endorsement big time of the offensive line, but also some on Josh too. He was only pressured nine times in this game and he was not sacked zero sacks. Josh Allen was dropped five times against the jets. And now over the last two weeks, he's only been sacked two times total. In fact, not only did he not get sacked on Sunday, I don't even think he was charged with a quarterback hit. Um, PFF grade wise, he's up to 13th in the NFL through three games, overall grade 73.8, by the way, to a, by a comfortable margin is leading the NFL at 92.2. But again, I loved what I saw from Josh Allen, plenty of checkdowns. And I, sometimes I sound, I make it sound like checkdowns is a negative thing. And it's not because we saw what happens against the jets when you force the issue and you play out of control and reckless. It's not what I want from Josh either, but I also don't want. Josh Allen to be a zombie on the football field either. Some of those plays he made against Washington, three plays specifically, were just unbelievable. Those two throws to Stefan Diggs on the run, you have to, if you haven't seen replays or if you haven't watched any film, you got to find it. You got to watch it because him throwing on the run, not once, but twice to Stefan Diggs is just a sight to see. Simple as that. And then that strike, and I mean a perfect strike to Gabe Davis. For that first Buffalo touchdown, man, what a throw that was. So I like this Josh Allen, the guy who will take what the defense gives him most of the time, but isn't afraid to take shots. And I was a little concerned after the Jets game because every time he took a shot, it worked out badly for him. And I get it. You can't do that. Josh Allen is the reason why the Bills lost to the Jets. It's as simple as that. I know it. You know it. He knows it. Everybody knows it. But I also don't want him checking the ball down the running backs and tight ends 25, 30 times a game. 
you got to defend every blade of grass on the football field when Josh Allen is back there running and throwing the football. I just thought he was fantastic. And this is the Josh Allen that I want to see. I loved his body language. You know, I like some of that cockiness. When he scored that touchdown and finger rolled the ball in the end zone, I want to see that from my quarterback. I do. It's a far cry from week one when he was soaking on the bench after every mistake. If the Bills are going to be the best versions of themselves, this is the Josh Allen that they need. The Josh Allen that they've seen the last two weeks against the Raiders and against the Commanders. That's the Josh Allen that they got to have. Simple as that. Anyway, I thought he was fantastic for a second straight game. We'll talk about him near the end as well. Moving on to the running backs, James Cook. 77.5 overall grade, 80.7 run grade per PFF. This was his best game of the season by all PFF metrics. Uh, he averaged 6.9 yards per carry. Actually, not this game, the last two games combined. He's averaged 6.9 yards per carry. That is awesome. Uh, against Washington, he did most his damage running to the left edge. Three carries for 42 yards there. And he also had five carries for 31 yards, which is 6.2 yards per carry when running off right guard. Um, he's 10th this year in the NFL so far per PFF with their overall grade at 76.5. He's third among all running backs with that grade who've run the ball at least 40 times through three games. And throw the PFF stats in the garbage. You want to just talk straight rushing yards. James Cook is third in the NFL with 267 rushing yards and fourth in yards per carry at 6.07. So look, we're three games in. And if you would have told me three weeks and one day ago that going into week four, James Cook would be third in the NFL in rushing yards, I think you'd take that. And that he'd be averaging 6.0 yards per carry. 6.1, actually. James Cook has been excellent. And what I really liked about him over the last two weeks, which I think is a product of having two other good running backs, two very capable running backs who have specific roles on this team that you can go to as well. James Cook, that juice has been there in the second half. Like he's done a lot of damage in the second half. He, he, he was looking at 100% in the fourth quarter of that game on Sunday. So I really like him a lot. Latavius Murray had a touchdown. Another good game for the running backs. This is a much better running back group than it was last year. Not even a debate. And that's nothing against Devin Singletary or Naheem Hines. But now you got James Cook and we're seeing what kind of player and what kind of running back he's going to be. And then you got Latavius Murray and Damian Harris, two crafty, intelligent, tough veterans that bring different dynamics to this group. I really like the running back group a lot. And I think through three weeks, um, you all should because they played very, very well. Receivers, Stefan Diggs, what can you say? Uh, overall grade, 88.4 per PFF, which was the best of anybody on the Bills offense on Sunday. Caught eight passes for a buck 11. So that's two out of three games this year. He's been over 100 yards. This was his highest PFF grade of the season. Uh, I got an interesting note here. 10 of his 34 pass snaps were in a slot, 22 versus the Jets. So he wasn't in the slot as much this week as he was at the start of the season, although they still are moving him around uh, plenty. Did really good. <clears throat> Sorry, I almost lost my voice there. Doing really good work in the middle of the field. Four of his eight catches were in the middle of the field 
for 73 of his 88 yards. So almost all the damage that Stephon Diggs did on Sunday was uh, through the middle of the field. In terms of PFF for the season, he is 13th among receivers at 79.2. That's his grade. We've had at least 15 targets. And in terms of stats league-wide, uh, Stefan is tied for fourth in receptions with 25. He is seventh in the league in targets with 32, which to me matters. You want to keep throwing him the ball, feeding him the ball, and the Bills have done a good job of doing that and keeping him happy through three weeks. And then he's eighth in yards at 279. So, man, it's been a, it's been a, another good start for Stefan this year. He's been consistent. He's been a focal point of the offense. And, and, I, and I like his, his body language, if that counts for anything, through these three games. And uh, just a good start for him. Gabe Davis scored the touchdown. Not much else to talk about with him during the game. The, um, Trent Shurfield had a couple catches his first of the year. That's good to see. The other guy I wanted to give a little bit of credit to individually is uh, Khalil Shakir. Only played four pass snaps. But I'll tell you what, just like last week, in a limited role, his contributions were big. Of course, against the Raiders, he caught a big fourth uh, fourth down touchdown. And this week against Washington, so the Bills had um, a turnover. I can't remember if it was a turnover or a goal line stand, but I know the Bills took over possession inside their own uh, five-yard line. And it was a third down play, and they were at like their seven or eight-yard line. And if they didn't convert, they were going to be punted out of their end zone. Uh, Kadul Shakir lined up in a slot, ran a nice little delayed route. I put this... Uh, Film clip up on my Twitter, by the way. Caught the ball and in the same motion of catching the ball, twisted his body and lunged forward to ensure the first down. And I thought that was a big play. The Bills didn't score on that drive, but they got out of the end zone, moved the chain a couple times, and, and punted and, and pinned Washington down the field. So anyway, I, I think Khalil Shakir in, in a limited role so far has made a couple big plays, and I wanted to make sure I acknowledge that. Tight ends. If there's one area on this team and getting a little bit into nitpicky territory, because when you win a game by five scores, there's really not a lot to criticize. I mean, if you're going out of your way to find shit to criticize when, when a team wins by five scores, you got some issues. Enjoy the win, if, especially if you're a fan. Enjoy the goddamn win. There wasn't a lot of, to criticize. There wasn't a lot of performances for the Bills that weren't good. But tight end play for me, that might be like the one area that was not a good day for this team. Uh, Dawson Knox, 51.1 overall grade per PFF. Dalton Kincaid, 48.2. Uh, they are near the bottom of all the pass catchers for the Bills. Uh, Kincaid, two targets, and he had six and four the first two games, so he only had two targets. This week, um, 40, slot use, 48.1, which is the most he's had this year. But anyway, he was only on the field for eight runs which is kind of like a giveaway. When he's in the game, the Bills almost all the time are throwing the ball. But anyway, not a great game for him, not an impactful game. In fact, he also had two penalties, one of them a personal fall tripping, just maybe, you know, borderline call, a little bit on the weak side. Also had an illegal motion penalty as well. So just not a not a great game for Dalton Kincaid. And Dawson Knox, no better. Uh, two targets this week after having four and five, the first two. So. Long story short, the tight ends just weren't a, a focal point of the offense as much as they were the first two games. Um, but anyway, he had a drop in the end zone. Not the easiest catch to make. 
but a catch that a lot of good tight ends make. And he, he did not come down with the ball. Um, the Bills settled for a field goal. That was on the first drive of the game, actually. Would have been, a, again, not an easy catch, but one he should have made, which sounds just like overtime of the Jets game when Josh Allen on a first down play, their first possession, only possession of overtime, threw a ball that was loaded Dawson Knox, and he couldn't bring it in. That's just who Dawson Knox is, I think, at this point. He's going to make some plays. He's going to do a lot of good things, but he's just not uh, consistent enough. So anyway, through three games, Dawson Knox has a 46.6 overall grade which by far is the worst of his career through three games um, with the Bills. And this is per PFF for this season. Kind of lines up, like I said, sometimes these grades don't make any sense. Sometimes they make perfect sense. In this case, it makes sense for me. Um, offensive line, then we're going to get to a quick break here. Deion Dawkins, highest overall grade of all the starters, 77.7 overall, 75.2 per the run, 77 against the pass. Um, other grades, Spencer Brown, 61.5, Connor McGovern, just a 54.0, Mitch Morris, 52.1, Osiris Torrance, 50.9. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to PFF. And I don't want to be a hypocrite because you don't get to use PFF in their grades when, when you're praising a player, when you want to make a point that's positive about the bills and you want that to be your narrative. You can't do that and then say, well, PFF's stupid. Uh, the premium stats is stupid. It don't mean shit. The grades are off. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. You can't have it both ways. If you're going to use PFF to praise players when the grades are good, you, you got to stick with them when they're bad. But I will say, I just don't understand it. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. I know people a lot smarter than me are watching these films and, and analyze them and breaking them down and assigning grades. I just don't understand sometimes the method because it felt to me like the Buffalo Bills played a very good game in terms of the offensive line. Your quarterback doesn't get sacked. Your running back runs the ball for 97, 98 yards. Very effective offense. And the grades just don't seem to reflect it uh, with the offensive line. I, I, I just, I don't get it. I, I just don't. Um, pressure's allowed for the game. Mitch Morris, three. Deion Dawkins, two. Spencer Brown, two. McGovern and Torrance, each one. Um, pass blocking efficiency. Again, a fancy formula that, quite frankly, I don't understand. They have the Bills at 14th right now per PFF, which, to be fair, sounds accurate because they've been really good the last two weeks. But they got manhandled and abused against the Jets in week one. So 14th to me, around the middle of the pack after three weeks, um, sounds about right. David Edwards, this stuck out to me too. Only played 15 snaps, 93.7 overall grade, 91.1 run block. I told you I loved this guy in the summer and I liked him in the preseason. Quite frankly, I thought if the contracts were equal, he'd be starting ahead of Connor McGovern. But anyway, just want to throw that out there about Edwards. Back to Deion Dawkins real quick. I think he's playing as good right now, watching film and looking at stats. I think he's playing as good right now as he was back in 2020 and 2021. Those were two good years. I thought Deion Dawkins was very uh, very mid last year. Overrated, quite frankly. Um, but anyway, he's looking good this year. 81.4 pass block for the season, which is seventh. I want to make sure I got this right. Seventh best among all offensive tackles. Um, Spencer Brown is just 47th out of 70. But again, 
a lot of Chase Brown in front of him, a lot of Max Crosby in front of him, and he's not sticking out like a sore thumb. So whatever their method is of grading, I'm good with Spencer Brown so far this year. I am. Um, McGovern, ninth worst among all offensive guards out of 75. Actually, ninth best. I'm sorry. This is pass blocking. Very good pass blocker. And that was a book on McGovern when he came here from Dallas. Good pass blocker, shitty run blocker. I think we've seen that so far come to fruition uh, with the Bills. And Torrance is 15th out of 75 guards, which is good. Mitch Morse, 6 out of 37 eligible centers per PFF, which is very good. Uh, run blocking, Deion Dawkins, again, very good. 12th out of 71 eligible offensive tackles. Brown, 27th, not bad. Uh, Guard-wise, for whatever reason, the Grays aren't good with run blocking. Um, Torrance is 45th out of 74 guards. And McGovern, all the way down here, 64th out of 74. And then Mitch Moore's 27th out of 37 when it comes to center. So the run grades for the Bills' interior, not good. The pass blocking grades have actually been uh, real good. So anyway, that's some PFF grades and analysis on the offense. Take a real quick break. Come back and uh, we'll catch up with the defense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, I am back breaking down the Buffalo Bills film and some PFF Grays analysis from a very convincing 37-3 victory over Washington this past Sunday. Uh, I'm going to let you know that on tomorrow's show, I have Anthony Marino on from Buffalo Rumblings. He'll be joining me, and the primary focus is going to be Miami, obviously. It's time to get into Miami. going to be a huge game, the game of the year, not just for the Buffalo Bills, but the NFL so far early in the season. So that'll be the focus with Anthony tomorrow. Um, back to the film from Sunday, the defensive line. I talked about him a little bit at the top. One of my big takeaways, um, Jones. Oh my God, Daquan Jones is playing his ass off this year. I love this dude. 
88.6 overall grade, 72.0. It was the best among all defensive linemen. 81.3 pass rushing grade, best among all defensive linemen. So he was just flat out grade wise from PFF, the best Bills defensive lineman on Sunday. And by the way, that was 72.0 pass or run, run grade. So I want to make sure I got that. This is best game in the year. Got two sacks, four hurries. He's just been an absolute disruptor all three games this year. For the season, his 83.6 overall grade is 12th best among all defensive tackles in the NFL. He's one of those guys where the stats often don't even tell the story of how effective he is. But in this case on Sunday, the stats did tell it because he dropped the quarterback twice. It was an awesome game, just a dominant game, just a flex game uh, for Daquan Jones. He's been pretty animated and funny on Twitter for not getting enough credit um, from a lot of national media outlets. And we're talking about the Bills defense or some of the stats that showed up. Pretty funny. Go follow him on Twitter and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. But anyway, Ed Oliver, and again, I don't get it with these fucking grades sometimes. It's PFF, but I got to accept it. He only had a 65.1 grade. No, I thought he played great. He had two sacks. He has two sacks. Only a 65.1 overall grade. It just doesn't seem right to me. Three sacks he's got, Ed, in three games. Uh, he's got 10 pressures this year, which is the 11th best among all defensive tackles in the league. Uh, I, I've said it time and time again. I was a little bit weary when the Bills re-signed him to an extension over the summer. The money was like, a little bit high, but as more guys sign, it's going to drop it down and, you know, put him around where most people thought he would be. But anyway, my point is this. He is playing like an elite defensive tackle so far this year, at least in my eyes. In my estimation, Ed Oliver has been fantastic. And when him and Jones are both going like they are, I think this is going to be a tough defense to stop. And I don't give a shit who the quarterback or who the offense is that they're going against. If you can win in the trenches, right in the middle of the football field, at the ball, I think you're going to have a lot of success in defense. And those guys have been great. Um, Leonard Floyd, who was questionable, well, he was not on the injury report, but he had a bad ankle. So to me, it was iffy and questionable if he was going to play. Well, he played. He played, and he had two sacks. 80.7 overall grade, 76.7 pass rush. Uh, he had 26 snaps, which is pretty much the same he had against the Jets, which was 28 that week. Um, he's got eight pressures and four sacks already this season. You want to talk about a great, and I mean great free agent pickup? Look no further than Leonard Floyd. He's been freaking fantastic. He's been what they need him to be when Vaughn Miller's out. Now, Vaughn comes back soon, hopefully in a couple weeks. And you got Rizzo. And you got Leonard Floyd and Vaughn Miller going off that edge. This defense is going to be a lot of trouble for any offense. I, excuse my French, fucking love what I've seen from Leonard Floyd this year. He has been awesome. And his, and his sacks on Sunday, back-to-back -back plays. Fun as hell to see. I mentioned Greg Rizzo. 62.5 grade. Only a 43.5 uh, run grade. He must have made a couple of mistakes on his specific plays because overall, I thought he was awesome again against the run like he's been all season, uh, which PFF seasonal grades kind of show that 77.6 run grade for the season, 11th best among all edge defenders in the NFL. Not much else to say about him. He was good. 
Flowers out there, man. Flowers to, to AJ Epinesa. What a game for him. What a needed game for him. Maybe his confidence. It was, it was fun to watch. Um, 93.3 overall grade. Highest of the Buffalo Bills of anyone on Sunday. The highest of his entire career. He had a sack. Hit the pick six, which was awesome. Athletic. How many of you, Tone Bucks, mentioned this on Monday? When the play happened in real time and you saw him go up and get the ball and tip it and, and catch it and run it back, for a split second, how many of you thought that was actually Greg Rizzo who made that play? I know I did. Well, it was A.J. Epinesa. Great play. And he also had three hurries. Uh, 81.7 overall grade for PFF this year. 16th best out of 122 defensive ends. So, long story short, I'll just say this. I wanted at the time, if the Bills were going to deal a defensive end or training camp, I wanted it to be A.J. Epinesa. I wanted to keep Boogie Basham. Still had two years left. Team-friendly contract, rookie contract. I, I thought just Epinesa should be the guy to go. Well, I was wrong. Seems like I'm wrong a lot. More on that in a second. Boogie Basham was the right move because A.J. Epinesa has been valuable. And I think, I think, when Vaughn comes back, A.J. Epinesa is still one of those four defensive ends who are going to be in the rotation regularly. I think Shaq Lawson, and assuming everybody stays healthy, and hopefully that happens, of course, but I think I think Shaq Lawson is going to be the guy, ultimately, who uh, kind of falls out of that top four rotation when, when Vaughn gets back. But anyway, a great start of the season and a very special and memorable game for, for A.J. Epinesa. So congratulations to him. Linebackers, I just said you know, a second ago I was wrong. Jarrell Bernard, I keep saying it over and over. I feel like I need to stop saying it. You get it. You've heard it. You've watched it. I've said it a bunch. I thought Jarrell Bernard was going to be a doo-doo linebacker. In fact, I said those words, doo-doo. Well, he's not doo-doo. Jarrell Bernard is playing some great fucking football, man. 93.1 overall grade, 78.1 run defense grade, 91.2 coverage grade, two sacks. This is fun. And this is what I'm talking about with the anti-Jermaine Edmonds splash play stuff. Two sacks. This is all Sunday. Two sacks, a pick, and a fumble recovery. He's the first player in the NFL since Brian Erlacher all the way back in 2007 to do that in a game. That is crazy. And watching him on film, he's playing, like, he's shooting gaps. He's been aggressive. He's quick. The one thing we haven't really seen much of, which at some point we will, which is probably going to be, you know, the, the, the downside of Terrell Bernard playing middle linebacker, um, how he does against the run. When a team wants to commit to the run more and really get after him, is he going to be able to shed blocks? How, how's he going to be in terms of that kind of stuff and gap responsibility? And again, I want to get into fancy schematic and, and analytic um, things that, Joe and Eric and these guys do so much better than me because I'll just sound like an idiot. Speaking of uh, Eric Turner, by the way, he's got a whole entire video dedicated to uh, Terrell Bernard being like that next matchup linebacker. So make sure you go see that on YouTube. Um, it's on cover one on their channel. Some great ass shit. So make sure you see that again. I'm not going to try to match wits when it comes to stuff like that, but I'm still, I have my concerns about Terrell Bernard over the long haul. But we'll worry about that. We'll cross that bridge when and if we get to it. Because he has just been a difference maker. He's been a difference maker. 
You know, I said on Monday's show, I am certainly not suggesting that Terrell Bernard is as good as Matt Milano. He's not. And I don't think he's never going to be. But, but Terrell Bernard is played as well as Matt Milano has through these first three games, through these first 12 quarters of the season. And that's a compliment because Matt Milano has been absolutely freaking fantastic. But Terrell Bernard has been right there with him. He is making plays that matter. He's getting turnovers. He's hitting guys at the line or behind the line of scrimmage. He's dropping the quarterback. He's looked great in pass coverage. Both his interceptions, neither of them were gifts. They were both athletic, not easy plays to make, and he made them. So I love it, man. I love what I'm seeing from Terrell Bernard so far this year. It's freaking awesome. You know, I mentioned Matt Milano, a quiet day for him. Just a 48 overall grade and only three tackles. But it's like, who cares? He'll make his plays when they need it. They didn't need it this week. Let Daquan and Ed and AJ Vanessa and Terrell Bernard carry the load this week. And that's what they did. Um, secondary, I don't got a lot of thoughts on the secondary. Except for Mike Hyde. I thought he had a great day. 86.3 overall or coverage grade. He had that interception on a pressure by Daquan Jones. Uh, 90.1. This stat is cool. If you're wondering, and if you put any stock in the PFF grades, and if you do, and if you were wondering, is Micah Hyde all the way back? Well, the answer is yes. If you put any stock into the grades, the answer resoundingly has been yes. He has a 90.1 overall grade for the season, which is fourth highest among all safeties in the NFL. I thought he looked really good against the Jets. I remember saying to myself, wow, he's coming up on the ball quick. Gave up a couple of short catches, but he would come up, close quick, looks really um, reliable tackling. And now he has the splash play. He has the interception against Washington. I thought he has looked really good this year. And in this case, the grades do reflect it. So a very promising start for Micah Hyde. And I'm sure something that makes a lot of Bills fans very happy because quite obviously, as the season goes on and the competition increases, you're going to need to see the best version of Micah Hyde. And I'm and I feel like we're starting to see that. So that's great. Uh, his partner, Jordan Boyer, 71 grade. That's his best of the season. That's what he had against Washington, his best of the season. Solid tackling, 81 grade for that. Uh, coverage was fine, 72.3 PFF grade. Um, for the season, grade is not good. 55.6 overall grade for the season so far through three weeks, which ranks just 71st out of 89 eligible safeties. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I have zero concern about Jordan Poyer. We've seen some things, whether it was the preseason run by Jalen Warren, whether it was some uh, mistakes in, in the Jets game. He's looked a little bit, as it, just going to say it, it looks like he's lost a step a little here and there at times. Um, we'll see. I think he hasn't been tested yet. He's going to. It's coming. So we'll see what we'll see what we got from Jordan Poyer. But until I see him get smoked on the field multiple times, until I see it like where it's undeniable, like, oh god damn, this guy just doesn't have it anymore. Until I see that, I'm gonna believe that Jordan Poyer will be just fine. He's an instinctual player. He's a gamer. And he just seems to make plays that matter 
when they matter. So I'm still, I'm not low on Jonah Boyer. I'm not as high as I wish I was, but I'm also, you know, I'm not too low on him either. We'll see. Wait and see with him. Uh, Trey White, 84.5 overall grade, which was his best of the year. 86.0 grade for coverage. Targeted six times. Gave up just three catches for 19 yards. And then he had that interception in the end zone. So a great game uh, for Trey White. This is a guy who graded just a 58.9 overall last year. And, for, you know, you don't need to know or see the grade to know that last year, Trey White, when he came back, was not the Trey White that we knew pre-ACL. Not even close. But this year, if he's not 100% back to what he was back in 2020, 2021, uh, he's damn close because he's looking really good to me. And I, and I felt like that interception was a nice little reward for his hard work. You love to see it. And I thought he was great. Uh, Teron Johnson, someone we just tear on, I should say, we, we just take him for granted. 81.3 overall grade. Um, he's having his best year grade-wise through three games with PFF. 85 grade for coverage. He's been fantastic like always. Christian Benford, 62.7 overall grade. A little bit to worry about him. You know, against the Raiders, he got away with what should have been a penalty on a long pass, didn't end up counting. This week, not so lucky. Uh, one of the few successful Washington big plays of the game was a 37-yarder to Samuel where he just flat-out smoked uh, Benford. So, mistake there, not costly. Did a couple good things, too. But uh, I don't know. The secondary is like the one area of this team where I, I don't want to talk about them too much yet because of who they played and what the competition is. You know, you can only put so much stock into a secondary when you've went against Zach Wilson and, uh, and to me, a washed up Jimmy Garoppolo and, and then Sam Howell, who just seemed in over his head. As a whole, the defense, nine sacks, man. That is nuts. They dropped Sam Howell nine times. And Washington was kind of exposed a, a, a little bit as a phony. And to put my final wraps on this game, you know, they were 2-0 coming into the game. And 2-0 was 2-0. It's not easy to win in the NFL, and we all know that. But 2-0 was 2-0, and they just got dominated. They got manhandled. They got out-finessed. They got out-physicaled. They got out-everything by a superior Buffalo Bills team. It's just as simple as that. Um, I don't think Sam Howell's as bad as he played against the Bills. I also don't think he's as good as he looked the first couple games either. Kind of one of those mid-quarterbacks, and he's very young. And if we know anything about the Buffalo Bills and his defense during the Sean McDermott era, this is a defense just continuously and consistently feast on rookie quarterbacks and young quarterbacks or bad quarterbacks. They don't let shitty quarterbacks beat you with the exception of a couple of weeks ago of Zach Wilson. But Zach Wilson did not beat the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills beat the Buffalo Bills in week one. So just make sure. That is clear. But anyway, my final thoughts to wrap up Washington. Um, the swag is back, and I think they needed that. The way they looked against the Jets, that could have been a very, uh, it was a demoralizing loss, but it could have been one that really lingered around for a long time, and I was genuinely concerned about that. Most of the time, you play a team, especially if you're the better team on paper, all you, you just care about winning. Style points don't really matter much most of the time. They don't. And 
you look around the league and you realize it's hard to win. Look no further than Sunday. You know, we've talked about this a few times already. Baltimore loses at home to the Indianapolis Colts and Gardner Minshew. Everybody in the world anoints the Jacksonville Jaguars as the champions of the AFC South and that potential, you know, AFC team that could that could beat the Bills or beat the Bengals or, or beat the Chiefs. And what do they do? They go, they, they take the field at home and get shellacked pretty much by the Houston Texans. You know, Dallas. Dallas is back. Well, they're not too back because they just lost to Arizona. So my point being, it's hard to win in the NFL. I don't care where you're playing. I don't care who the opponent is. But in this case, because of how they lost to the Jets, I felt it was important that they didn't just win against the Raiders and the Commanders, but they had to do it with style, with convincingly. And they did just that. I loved that swag that I saw from the Bills on Sunday. Loved it. I wanted to blow them out. I wanted to blow the Raiders out. I feel like this is a team now that has definitely shook off and, and washed off that, that stink, that fucking stink from the Jets game. And I think they feel really good about themselves going into week four. And of course, to wrap here, they better feel good about themselves going into week four. And they better play like it because they're playing a very good football team. And I'll talk more in depth tomorrow with Anthony Marino about it. We'll have like a full Bills Miami preview, but just a couple of quick points here. Miami's very legit. I mean, they're good. They're fucking good, especially on offense, man. Tua is the best quarterback in the NFL through three weeks. Tiny sample size, but if MVP voting concluded today, he's your unanimous MVP, in my opinion. And Tyreek Hill, to me, if he's not the best receiver in the NFL, he's right there. He's the most dangerous. I'm scared of him more than I'm scared of Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, as great as they are. Tyreek Hill just takes games over, man. It is uncanny the way he does it. Um, but you know what? And they hung 70 on Denver. I get it. They smacked the shit out of Denver. And that was a historically good game for the offense. I think they're the fourth team in the history of the NFL to drop a 70 burger on somebody. So I get it. I know why the media is gaga over them right now. I know why Sean McDermott during his press conference on Monday was calling their offense revolutionary and shit like that. I get it. But you know, don't blink because it might not seem like it right now. But if you look at the NFL points for and points against, the Bills are second in the NFL in points for behind Miami. That's it. Bills are, Bills are the second most points in the NFL. And the Bills have allowed the second fewest points in the NFL. So they've been really good on offense the last two weeks, and they've been good on defense literally all season. Well, the Bills are also, and I think this stat could be important. This could play a role on, on, on Sunday. The Bills are first in the NFL in third down um, conversion percentage. I think that matters for obvious reasons. You convert on third, keep the ball, move the chains, and you're keeping two on this ridiculously insane, talented Miami Dolphins uh, offense off the field, who, by the way, dropped 70 points last week without Jalen Waddle. That's, that's nuts. But again, the Bills are very formidable themselves. Second best offense scoring. Second best defensive scoring team in the NFL. Josh Allen has been fantastic for the last two weeks. And Josh Allen, by the way, historically, he's 8-2 and two against the Dolphins. 
And one of those two losses came last year when it was 10 million degrees out and 10 million different Buffalo Bills went down. So Josh Allen, you know, just like the Jets just seem to have Josh Allen and the Bills offense number, for whatever reason, Josh Allen just seems to have the Miami defense number. He plays fucking great against them. But even if he's not slinging the ball all over the place, and this is a difference about the Bills this year that I really like over the last couple of years, Miami's just 26 in the league so far this year in run defense. So if there's a weakness on this team, it's stopping the run. So you may see a lot of James Cook, not just James Cook. You might see plenty of Latavius Murray and Damian Harris as well. The way the Bills controlled the clock and, and moved the chains against the Raiders, you might see a lot of that uh, against Miami as well. And then last point, then I'm out of here. Let's not forget this. And I'm not trying to sound like a goddamn homer, even though I know I'm coming across this one. I respect Miami plenty. It wouldn't shock me whatsoever if Miami wins this game. Miami is not just insanely talented. They're also insanely hungry. They want to knock the Bills. They want to knock the Bills off the pedestal in this division. And they know they're going to have to come to Buffalo and beat them probably to be able to do that. So again, not being a homer here, I'm giving plenty of respect to Miami. But the Bills are at home. And albeit a small favorite, the Bills are two and a half point favorites. So again, it's not like the Bills beating Miami will be some kind of stunner. I'm just saying. And I will have a preview with Anthony tomorrow. And on that note, actually, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you very much, as always, uh, for watching, for listening, kind of still honing my craft a little bit here when it comes to doing these, uh, these solo episodes. Not as easy as it seems. And I learned that through years now of doing this podcast. I say it all the time, man. These people like, like Joe Marino, you know, and Bruce Nolan and so many of these other great podcasters out there that, that run solo. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. I feel like I'm getting a little bit better though. Getting just uh, maybe be a little less long-winded because again, I said, this isn't going to be a very long episode and here we are. It's a full episode, but there's a lot to talk about. So anyway, thank you again for listening. Thank you again for watching. And I will be back tomorrow. Brand new episode. Bill's Miami preview with my man, Anthony Marino. Talk to you then.